Hello and welcome to another edition of the Informed Traveler Podcast, a weekly travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Are you a chocolate lover? I think I probably could eat chocolate every day if given the chance. Well, did you know that July 7th is World Chocolate Day? So in honor of that, later in our podcast, we're going to look at some of the best destinations to sample some of the best chocolate around the world. Not sure if L.A. is on the list, but we're also going to chat with the folks from Discover Los Angeles to learn about some of the new hotel openings and planning a trip to L.A. in general. But first, have you seen those ads on TV for the DNA ancestry that you can do on yourself to see where your ancestors came from? Well, now there's a thing called DNA tourism, where people travel to the places of their ancestry. So joining us now to tell us a little bit more about DNA tourism is travel writer and editor Seema Dwan. Hi, Seema. Hi, Randy. So I'm uh, intrigued about this DNA tourism thing. Explain to me uh, what exactly it is. Yeah, so now that we can take, you know, genetic testing tests pretty easily, what people are doing is taking, um, you know, a sample of their spit, sending it in to a company like Ancestry.com or 23andMe, Mm. and finding out where their ancestry is from. And once they find that out, they're starting to travel to these places to learn more. So this is like uh, the TV ads, like you mentioned, Ancestry, where you, uh, I don't know, you send in for a kit and you send it back and they say you're 25% Irish and 30% this and 10% that and 3% that, right? Exactly. (laughs) Okay, well, at least we're on the same uh, wavelength. So now do uh, tourism offices and destinations, are they catching on to this? Are they using it as a marketing tool saying, hey, if you're of, I don't know, uh, Scottish ancestry, uh, come see us on this tour type of thing? Yes, absolutely. So tourism boards have capitalized on this for a long time, especially countries like Scotland and Ireland, because people have always wanted to go back to, you know, places they came from. But now they're coming up with special tours. Um, There's a cruise going in in September from Southampton to New York, where you even have genealogy experts on site, you have historians on site, uh, and really sort of, you know, diving really deep into finding out your ancestry. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be kind of cool to, if you had a genealogist right on site. So in case you didn't do this, but you know you have some sort of, I don't know, Irish descent or Scottish descent, then you can find out more, right? Yeah, and they're, you know, they're not joking around. You take the test weeks before your cruise. Um, they sort of give you more detailed information. I think it's something like a five-hour interview. Um, some people, you can also choose to go to places your ancestors might have lived or a church they might have gone to. Like, this is, you know, uh, quite detailed um, because they do have a pretty big database. Ancestry has been around for about 35 years, I think, now and have done, you know, over 10 million of these kits. So they have a lot of data. Mm-hmm. So what's the attraction, you think? I, obviously, people like to know about their ancestry and things like that. Is, is that just the case of what it is? Yeah, I think, well, I think it adds an extra spice to travel. Um, they also say, you know, what the son wants to forget, the grandson wants to remember. So, <laughs> so you know, a lot of us have moved here from different places and we've immigrated um, from so many, so many different countries that um, it's only natural for us to want to find our tribe. And is it, uh, who's doing this then? What age group? Is it everybody? I imagine, is it uh, older people that uh, want to go back to their roots? Or I guess anybody would be interested in that, would they? 
Yes. Um, so it's sort of a mix. You know, baby boomers have always been interested. With the DNA kits, millennials, millennials are um, leading the trend, um, but they're certainly not the only ones going on these. So do you have any examples of any specific, you mentioned Scotland and Ireland and uh, those places. Are there, do you have any examples of specific tours in mind that uh, people can book? Yes, there's a cruise coming up um, in September that Ancestry is organizing. And um, that goes from Southampton to New York. I think it's an eight-day cruise. And um, that also includes additional tours and, you know, the experts and speakers on site. And then other than that, it just it sort of depends. There's lots of different um, companies offering it. So it depends on which destinations, of course, uh, you want to go back to. But um, primarily European destinations are the most popular at the moment. Mm-hmm. Have you done this yourself? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Is it on your bucket I, list to, to do? You know, I, I it wasn't so far. I think, I, you know, I know where my immediate family is from. And I'm so busy catching up with that that... Uh, it would sort of be extra homework to do this, but I am getting curious. So who knows, by the next time we talk, I might have. Well, and I think a lot of people do know where their immediate family is from, but there's that other percentage that you just don't know that goes back further into your family's history that, you know, if you're, I don't know, let's using again the uh, Scottish-Irish, if you're 50% Irish, maybe you're 10%, I don't know, um, Russian or something like that, and maybe you'd want to go to Russia instead. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think the more that people start, you know, taking these tests, we'll be able to diversify the destinations. Um, you know, there's a specific kind of population clearly that's more interested in at the moment. Or maybe we all go back to Scotland. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so and then, I think we'll, we'll see more destinations as uh, in the future. And you mentioned uh, Ancestry.com is a good place to start, I would think, right? Yes. And there's also another website called 23andMe. Oh. which is also very popular. Well, good stuff. Uh, Seema Dewan is a travel reporter and editor, and uh, thanks for your insight, uh, Seema. appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, I'm not sure if your ancestors are from the Los Angeles area, but either way, L.A. is a great place to visit with so much to see and do. So, to help us out now on how to get the most out of a visit to Los Angeles is Jamie Foley. She is the VP of Global Communications for Discover Los Angeles, and their website is discoverlosangeles.com. Hi, Jamie. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I have to admit, I always have trouble talking about destinations like Los Angeles because there is so much to see and do, especially if you only have four or five days. And I'm sure you probably say, well, stay a month and then you might be able to cover it all. But even then, I don't think you'd have enough time. So help me narrow it down and, and get the max out of my time uh, visiting Los Angeles this summer. Okay, I sure will. Well, a couple things that are important for Canadian travelers to know is that we have a ton of airlift coming out of Canada right now. Last year, we saw a 10% increase in flights coming out of Canada. So that's pretty significant. Um, we're have, we have a hunch that Canadians like Los Angeles, and we hope that you keep coming. Um, and when Canadians come, they tend to stay around five nights, which is great because it does give you a little sampler platter of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So as you know, we're fairly spread out. Um, and the benefit to that is that you can explore different neighborhoods, and they're very diverse and Uh, quite different from one another. So you can have many vacations in one just by choosing Los Angeles. Still goes back to my problem. Okay, how do I choose a neighborhood? How do I choose? I guess it depends on what what I like, right? If I'm a sports fan, I can go see the sports. If I'm a movie fan, I can go to the movie studios and, and that kind of thing, right? 
Exactly. Well, let's talk about downtown Los Angeles because um, for many who haven't been to Los Angeles in a while, downtown isn't exactly the first place that they think of. But like many cities, uh, the downtown area has undergone a pretty pretty unbelievable renaissance and revitalization in the last 10 years or so, I would say. And there are quite a few new hotels that have opened up very recently. And I can walk you through some of those. Mm, yeah, let's do the, that. The first being, okay, so for anyone who wants to splurge a little bit, the Nomad recently opened, and that is absolutely fantastic. It's right in downtown Los Angeles. It is in an old um, Italian bank building, and the food is phenomenal, um, and it's been a really hot ticket. This is People have been traveling to check out the new Nomad, so that's a good splurge option. And for those that want to have a great experience but maybe save a little money for some sightseeing, I would recommend the Freehand, which opened last year. And it is in downtown Los Angeles as well. It has an absolutely fantastic rooftop called Broken Shaker. They have gorgeous cocktails, a pool that you have access to, even if you're just there for drinks. And what's interesting about the Freehand is that it's a hostel, but don't let that scare you. <laughs> you can book out the entire room, and they have various combinations of bunk bed options. They also have private rooms available, too. Um, so completely on the on the opposite end of the rate spectrum from Nomad, but both are really fantastic options and brand new in the downtown area. So how easy is it to uh, get around from neighborhood to neighborhood in Los Angeles? Uh, I imagine traffic is an issue. So renting a car, is that a feasible thing to do or is it easy to get around? So you have lots of options in L.A. now. So um, sticking on the theme of downtown L.A., that is actually one of the best areas to, uh, to plan to take the metro. Uh, believe it or not, Los Angeles has one of the biggest metro systems. And I know that people might think that that is a joke, but we really do. And they're pumping, you know, a, a ton, significant amounts of money, millions and millions of money over the next uh, 40 years to make our system one of the best in class. But let's say you're staying downtown. Let's say you choose the freehand or Nomad. Mm -hmm. um, Union Station is right there. And you can connect very easily in 47 minutes to be exact to Santa Monica. So if you want to go to the beach for a day, you can also get to Hollywood in about 30 minutes. And there's so much to see and do over in Hollywood as well, including some new hotels. Um, but the Metro is a really great option if you want to go from downtown to Hollywood, downtown to the beach. And there's actually, for friends of Universal Studios, there's also a Metro stop right outside of Universal Studios. So you can even get from downtown or Hollywood all the way out to, uh, all the way out to Universal Studios. Nice. So you don't need a car. Yeah, so you don't have to have a car. Um, if you want to get around by car, obviously lots of rental car options, mm -hmm. but you also have Uber and Lyft, which has made getting around Los Angeles very, very easy. Mm -hmm. I suppose that any hotel will probably offer any tours. If you wanted to visit some specific area, they can offer you a tour, and then your your uh, transportation looked at, looked looked after right there as well, right? Well, I tell you, there are a few there are a few travel hacks, I guess, if you will, um, for getting around Los Angeles. So one is that Starline. Um, will take you all around the city. So you can use it as a sightseeing expedition, of course, but you can also use it as a point-to-point -point transit. Um, it goes through the airport. Uh, it's a pretty amazing option. And then additionally, there's something called the LAX Flyaway. And that takes you from Los Angeles. It's a group transport, a shuttle, that takes you right to Union Station in downtown Los Angeles. So again, those are great options if you wanted to get even not just from LAX, but from the beach cities in general mm -hmm. over to downtown. That's another option 
that you can explore. Well, there's lots of history in Los Angeles. Again, I'm looking on your website, discoverlosangeles.com. There's so much information on there. Uh, you mentioned some of the uh, newer hotels, but there's lots of historic hotels you can stay at. So there's lots to choose from, yeah? There is. And so for, for those interested in history, the Roosevelt in Hollywood has undergone a really lovely renovation. And um, that is such a historic hotel. They have a lot of Oscars history. They're across from the Dolby Theater. So um, there's a ton to do and see. It's a really convenient location. So that's a great option for the um, for the history buffs. Mm-hmm. But also in Hollywood, there are a couple of new hotels. The Dream is a brand new property. And I would say if you want to be in the scene, if you want to be in the mix, the dream is probably the option for you. <laughs> the rooftop is very sexy. Uh, Beyonce had her birthday party at one of the uh, one of the restaurants on site. They have a speakeasy style club called Beauty and Essex. So that is that's where to go if you want to be in the mix. And then the Kimpton Everly is another property in Hollywood that's brand new, um, pet friendly. It's open, airy, light wood. It's uh, just natural light everywhere, and um, that's a great option, uh, especially for those interested in biking around. They mm-hmm. actually give you a bike, and you can just cruise around town. Nice. So now what are some of the events coming up for the summertime for, if I want to explore that? So let's start with food, because who doesn't love food? And we all know <laughs> that people travel for food. Um, you might have heard of uh, Dine LA, which is our restaurant week program, and it happens twice a year in the winter and in the summer. And the summer program is returning July 13th through the 27th. So I know that's right around the corner. Um, But, you know, we're just a quick plane flight away. Mm -hmm. So come on out. It's our 10th anniversary. uh, So that's going on for for foodies. We have almost 40 different restaurants participating. Uh, We have an exclusive series. So restaurants like Providence um, offer menus starting at $95, which is uh, a significant bargain, actually, especially for that level of restaurant. And then for our arts and cultures fans, this is the hottest summer we've had. It's unbelievable the amount of arts and culture things happening. So Beyond the Streets is a multimedia showcase of graffiti, street art, photography, and it's in a 40,000-square-foot warehouse in just, just right outside of Chinatown in, Los, in downtown Los Angeles. There are more than 100 artists uh, participating. Shepard Ferry is one, you, a very famous artist, and they just extended their stay in Los Angeles. They were supposed to leave around this time, and they've actually extended for another month or so, which is really exciting. It's been really well received. They've built out the original Venice skate park, and you can actually explore that, use it, um, so it's a very interactive opportunity. And then uh, another thing that's happening that's in sort of a short-term pop-up opportunity uh, is Sparrow Mart. I don't know if you're familiar with a British artist uh, who's named Lucy Sparrow. You have to look her up. Her work is unbelievable. She creates these massive installations that are made out of felt. And she did one in New York that was like a New York bodega. Uh, I can't remember when that happened, but she is building a mart Inside the Standard Hotel in downtown Los Angeles from August 1st to 31st, it's her largest installation to date, her first one in Los Angeles, and she is literally building a supermarket 100% made out of felt. And every single item is, is you can purchase, is available for purchase, and uh, it's, it ranges in price. So there are very affordable options for people who want to take home a little piece of this collection. 
And again, that's happening from August 1st to 31st. Sparrow Mart, definitely look that up. That's going to be really special. Uh-huh. Well, there's so many things to do. Actually, we did a pretty good job because on your website, it has what to do, how to explore, and where to stay. So we covered those three things in the time that we have. And obviously, we could go on and on because uh, there's so many things to see and do in Los Angeles. But the website's a good place to start, right? Absolutely. DiscoverLosAngeles.com. And be sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook, Discover LA. Perfect. Uh, Jamie Foley is the Vice President of Global Communications for Discover LA. Again, that website, DiscoverLosAngeles.com. Thanks for your time, Jamie. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, July 7th just happens to be World Chocolate Day, and if you're like me, you'd probably travel just about anywhere to sample some fine chocolate, and there's many places that like to boast about having some of the best chocolate in the world. But to get his take on the top five places to sample some of the best chocolate in the world is Jeff Element. He's the president of Travel Corp Canada. He joins us now. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Randy. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. I'm only going to speak for myself here, but I love chocolate. I could eat it every day. I have gone several days in a row <laughs> eating it, so there's my confession about uh, chocolate. Uh, we're going to talk about choco-tourism, as I'm thinking that's a new term that maybe uh, you came up with. But are there actually yeah. tours focused on chocolate? Like, are there actual chocolate tours? Well... There's, it's a big part of many of the trips that we already sell. Yeah. It seems like in every country there's a spot to stop and experience the local delicacy and, uh, and, and get their version or their take on it. And listen, everybody around the world really loves chocolate. You know, 7.2 million metric tons of chocolate is consumed every year around the globe. That is a lot of chocolate. That's a lot of chocolate. Canadians in particular are up there in the list. I think we're the ninth in the most consumption. We, on average, eat 6.4 kilos of chocolate. That's like 160 chocolate bars each year. (laughs) See, that's almost one a day. Like one every Almost other day, if you broke it in half and had a half a chocolate bar, you could eat it every day. So, <laughs> yeah. so why not go out and experience what the world has to offer? Chocolate in Canada is wonderful, but there's so many other places and so many different takes on it that it is worth getting out and, and trying them all. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have your top five chocolate destination list, and I'm sure there's uh, many listeners that are going to say, well, what about this place? Cause that's the trouble when you get into uh, any kind of top list. So someone's going to say, well, you missed this or you missed that. But that's okay. Yeah. We all have our, our likes and, and dislikes and, and favorite places to go. But let's, let's start with uh, some of the places that uh, you like to share about uh, places that are known for their chocolate. Uh, well, I think uh, no conversation about chocolate can start without mentioning Switzerland. Uh, Switzerland is known as having the finest chocolate in the world. Uh, it's the place where I think, I mean, I was a couple of years ago, I took my daughters and we got to try a lots of different chocolate. And I think it's a place, you know, when you're on vacation, you can kind of splurge a little uh, and indulge a little bit. So we tried lots of, lots of wonderful chocolate, you know, release that inner Willy Wonka. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and really, Switzerland is known for the finest chocolate in the world. So Maison de Calier is probably the finest uh, chocolate house. Um, it's a real art form. You know, it comes down to the, the fresh ingredients, uh, milk, 
being the main one. So this is a looks like a you know French manor. I know in Switzerland, uh, but you know it's 20 miles around. There's about 2,000 cows that supply the milk as the main ingredient, uh, and really you get to go through the whole process uh, with them. You can watch it it's on video, so it's live, but you watch on video. But then the the big thing uh, is you get to see the chocolate come out the other end, and you get to try some. Mm-hmm. Well, I, gu- I guess the sampling is probably the best part of any <laughs> kind of ta- chocolate tour, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, that's that's really the best part. You get to see all, what all that hard work and effort went into it. Um, yeah, in Switzerland, you know, there's lots of ways to get to Switzerland. You can try something like a luxury gold trip. It will actually take you to Maison de Calier, and you get to see and experience and then taste, um, you know, what they produce. Um, but, yeah, certainly a, a must-stop uh, destination for anybody who loves chocolate. Well, you mentioned the milk. There's the two types of chocolate, I'm sure, that people realize. There's the dark chocolate and the milk chocolate. You haven't really broken it down that way. This is just chocolate for the sake of chocolate. Chocolate for the sake of chocolate. And I think in in Switzerland in particular, the milk chocolate is the one that comes to mind for us immediately. Uh, So, yeah, the milk chocolate is the one. I know it's my favorite. There's one place that I can't remember was, but I remember reading an article, and they're pretty uppity on the sugar content. That if there's too much sugar added into the chocolate, uh, then it becomes less chocolate and more just uh, sugary candy. Yeah. In Switzerland, they do take it actually quite serious. The whole process of making chocolate, is, this is a real, uh, real pride for them as a country, and they're very strict as to how they, they go about it, the process and the ingredients, I mean, measured down to the, you know, the smallest uh, minute amount. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, now, uh, this is in Argentina. So how do I, is it Bariloche? Bariloche. So, actually, sticking still with the Switzerland theme, uh, Bariloche, Argentina, is considered Switzerland of South America. And I think, you know, the mountains probably are the first thing that uh, when people go there, they notice it does kind of look like Switzerland. Uh, But then I think partly the climate, uh, so for growing the cocoa bean, which makes it then, you know, it just was sort of ripe for developing um, a, a chocolate industry. Uh, they've even developed what they call uh, the Avenue of Chocolate Dreams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can just sort of imagine that. It's a wonderful way to say it. Uh, but, yes, this street that, you know, when you go down, it has lots of different, uh, you know, uh, things to look at. And, you know, you get the Mayan Aztec roots and all, all that sort of stuff. But they have these things which really impresses me. It's all these museums about chocolate. And I put museums in, in quotation marks because <laughs> you, <get> <laughs> you get to go in and, and see uh, their version or how they make it. And then, uh, and then you get the sample. So I don't know if it's a store or a museum, but um, certainly the museum, the store at the end is, is probably the, the most visited spot in the, in the museum. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> now there's different ways to have chocolate. There's uh, like hot chocolate, and this is where Turin Italy comes in, you're saying. Yeah, so we go back over to, to Europe, and uh, Turin, most of us know because of the Olympics uh, mm-hmm. a few years back, um, but they've had a take on uh, hot chocolate. Uh, Bersarin is their version of hot chocolate, and really it's, it's espresso, liquid chocolate, and whole milk, uh, all things that sound wonderful to me, <laughs> all on their own. <laughs> but they put them together, and it's, it's something that they've been indulging in since the 1700s, and it's, um, you know, I guess... Partly it's a, you know, it's a colder climate or it can't have colder winters, and I think that's probably what brought it to the forefront. Mm-hmm. 
And you can just hop over to Vienna, too, and have some of their uh, chocolate cakes and some of the uh, chocolate yeah. type of baking goods. Yeah, so, you know, Vienna, actually, I've been to Vienna many times, and it's a lovely, lovely city. Um, you know, you, the, the way it lights up at night, it sticks with me no matter how many times I go there. Um, but, yeah, their version of chocolate delivery is in a cake. Uh, everybody has their own version of it. Uh, uh, torte, um is a, a cake recipe that was developed back in the, the 1800s uh, for the prince at the time uh, and his uh, friends. Um, and, and, you know, it's something that has been kept a secret for many, many years. You, the, the recipe has been kept a secret. People, mm-hmm. lots of people have consumed the cake. Uh, and so much so in this, in Vienna, other, uh, bakeries were starting to develop their own version of this. And many of them lay claim to being the best or the first. And, and even in the, um, early 1900s, uh, there was a, a whole court battle over who can make the claim as being the, the first and the best. And, um, <laughs> you know, so the, the cake wars makes it a little more uh, lighthearted and, and something for us all to go and try and determine for ourselves mm-hmm. which one is, is the best. And so quickly now, uh, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. I went a couple of years ago, and it's not a destination you necessarily think of for chocolate. Yeah. Coffee often, the beaches, Canadians often go down there for the beaches, but, you know, uh, you can travel. I, I did a Trafalgar tour in, in Costa Rica, but, uh, you know, Kentucky holidays can take you down there. Uh, the climate again, mountainous climate, perfect for uh, growing uh, the, the bean, uh, the key ingredient into, into chocolate. Uh, I actually went on a, a tour of a chocolate factory, which was a wonderful way to see, um, you know, the whole process and, and a, again, a slightly different take on it. And again, another place that has taken it very serious. The actual bean was used as their currency for decades, uh, even up until the 1930s. So a big part of the culture, a big part of what they have on offer, and a different way of seeing things. You know, um, you know, like I said, coffee and beaches is probably what we think of Costa Rica, but, you know, get off the beaten path, go into the mountains, meet some locals, and, and learn something else about a, uh, a community and a uh, different way of, of, uh, of, of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, uh, I'm sure you can find a chocolate tour on uh, many of the itineraries of the travel brand brands uh, or, yep. or travel corporation brands, uh, Insight, Trafalgar, uh, Uniworld, uh, Kentucky, you name it. There's a whole list of tours oh, that people yeah. can take to find chocolate tours. And Jeff Element is the president of Travel Corporation. Again, the website, ttc.com. Uh, thanks for your uh, insight, Jeff, and happy belated chocolate day. Thank you very much. Have a good day. And that's this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute and rate the show. Leave us a review and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. 